welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. How you guys doing? How's the never-ending... You know, let's not even talk about it. Let's pretend like it's not happening. Let's pretend it's a boy that you're ignoring his texts. You know, you see it pop up. Like you, you hear about coronavirus on the news. See, I shouldn't have said the thing. But you see the text pop up and you're like, oh, I'm busy. I don't even care about him. You're with your friends. They're like, um, Mike's texting you. And you're like, I don't, I don't even like Mike anymore. Meanwhile, you're like shuddering inside. Like, I just want to read the text. I want to know what he has to say. What's going on with Mike? That's how I feel like this is right now. Um... <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to keep this intro short, except for to tell you, okay, well, number one, as always, I'm super excited about my guest today, not to downplay her at all, but I want to preview you for my guest next week. Uh, next week I am interviewing Amanda Knox. Uh, if you don't know who she is, I assume you've been living under a rock. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I kind of passively followed I've not even followed, passively heard about her case, obviously, throughout the years. She, uh, her roommate was murdered in uh, Italy. Uh, she was accused of it, and a whole crazy, huge, horrible media storm around her followed. And I was very like, and I even said this to her when I, when I messaged her asking to do the podcast, because I just wasn't, I was just only hearing about it passively, you know, in the news. Uh, I was very like 50-50 on like, is she guilty? Is she innocent? I, I don't know. Um, and then I watched, uh, her documentary on Netflix and I was absolutely heartbroken for her. Uh, I was like, oh my God, this, this girl is innocent and she endured such a horrific, I mean, obviously her roommate endured the most horrific of all tragedies and my heart goes out to her and her family and this is not at all to take away from that absolute tragedy but Amanda secondhand endured something just so horrific that everything she did was being looked through this lens of whatever the media perceived and whatever the you know the authorities the Italian authorities were basically lying about I don't want to tell you too much or or sway you too much um either way I hope you tune in to next week uh for the episode and I would encourage you either to I don't know if it's better if you watch um the documentary on Netflix before you listen to the episode or afterwards, because maybe you want to go into the episode with your own, you know, opinion on based on what you knew. Um, or maybe you want the info before. I don't, I don't know where you stand on it, but um, I'm just really looking forward to interviewing her and hearing about how wonderful her life is going now. She got married. Um, she has a podcast coming out, so she's got a lot going on. She does a lot for the Innocence Project. So anyways, I'm really, really excited to interview her. So just giving you a heads up in case you want to watch the documentary before. And again, not to downplay my guest today because she's unbelievable, so impressive, so cool, so inspiring. And I think it's a really good episode to listen to now when, you know, many of us have lost our jobs and are like trying to figure out what to do when maybe you can't go back to the same job. Like, so you're thinking like, well, should I start a business? Should I, you know, start a blog? Uh, is social media the answer? Well, Bailey Stanworth has done it all, and at a very young age. She just turned 30, but before this, she had already started and sold her own company. She started a second company now, and she's just an amazing entrepreneur that teaches you just, if you have if you have the, the idea and the ambition and you want to do it, don't overly plan and wait. Just rip off the band-aid and go. And she gives advice for, you know, how to... Do you keep your day job when you start your new thing? And 
you know, what are the the biggest things she learned uh, on her first company that she started? She's incredibly impressive. Uh, and, and we talk about balance, even though she hates the word, but it, it's really cool, her, her theory on like, she doesn't believe there's balance. I'll let her tell you. Oh, and really quickly, I apologize if within the first couple of minutes you hear like a like kind of like a rustling sound. Uh, we could not figure out what it was. Eventually, Bailey had to switch to Bluetooth headphones. Like at first, I literally was like, are, are you wearing bangles? Can you please take off the bangles? Because all I hear is like, whatever. And that's not what it was. I would think it was something to do with the headphones. But um, we, we solved it up the first couple of minutes. So don't get irritated and shut it off. It will. It gets better after a few minutes. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm uh, so excited to talk to you about your 7,000 businesses that you have um, all before the age of, you're not even 30, are you? I just turned 30. Okay. Well, still, I, you started a bunch of businesses like really young and 30 is still young. So you're, you're such a hustler. Like, I wonder if that was a quality that like people could see in you as a kid. Do you think that people that knew you as a kid would be at all surprised by your success? I think I was called bossy a lot when I was a kid. Really? Like my parents were always thought I was just the bossiest person. Um, so I think like that character trait was in me, but they just didn't really understand what it was at that time. Like I just didn't really ever form well to structure. Like I just wanted to do things on my own way. And so, yeah, I think it was in me. I think it was just not coming out the best, maybe. I think I was just mean to my little brother. Yeah, <laughs> Who isn't mean to their younger sibling? I am a younger sibling. So um, my sister locked me out of the house a few times saying that our parents were not real parents. And she was like, we need to run away. And I was like, we do? And then like, I'd go outside <laughs> and then she locked the door on me. I was like, so evil. That's a genius. <laughs> so evil. Um, do, you, do you feel like that bossiness comes into play in just like daily life situations now? Like even with like dating, do you kind of like know what you want and yeah. are not afraid to ask for it? Yeah, I think I've always been that way. Like, I've always known what I wanted and I won't waste my time really. Like, I really value people's time and, like, my own time. And it's the worst for dating because, A, Vancouver is just the worst in general. But I like, bad ratio of four four women to one guy. Oh, God. Yeah, it's great. Love it. That sucks. That's even worse than New York. Isn't New York just, like, two to one? Yeah, no, we actually have the worst. Wow. And then you go on a date and you find out they live with four roommates, don't have a car. And I'm just like, okay, so I'm out. (laughs) Like, that's where I just know what I want and I won't settle. But I've also been like that in all aspects of my life. And I think that it's really served me well with my career, but not so much in my love life. Okay. I want to go into like dating and getting your advice on that. But let's go back to like just career stuff because I want to like (laughs) fully go into your dating. Uh, So let's talk about your businesses. You have you're the founder of uh, State of Grace. Uh, yeah, I just sold that company this summer, but oh, I, exciting! Yeah, um, so I had State of Grace. I have a media agency called Play Digital, and then I have the podcast as well that I host with uh, my friend Jackie. Okay, no, so explain how um, State of Grace came into play, and like that's so exciting that you were like, I would love to say the words. I just sold that company. It was a really surreal moment for me. Like I never really thought I would ever sell it because it was my baby. But um, I started the company with a business partner about six years ago. And then I took it over when I started my own media agency. So I was not only like starting that, but I had taken over a business on my own. So it was like a crazy time. And then I just kind of felt like I had 
run its course. Like I love, I started it because I loved graphic t-shirts. Like I was mm-hmm. such a sucker for that. And Same. so I always knew I wanted to own my own business. I didn't really ever know what it was going to look like, but then I just kind of was like, well, if it's, this is what I'm always buying. Like, why wouldn't I really kind of maybe tap into that market? So we started with that. And then I realized apparel is the worst business to be in because really? you have to just forecast styles and sizes and predict how many smalls you're going to sell and then you want to be size inclusive but it's like hard and so getting out of like the size variance Mm -hmm. eventually ended up happening for us so that we could just do like mugs and things that anybody could use you didn't have to buy different size ranges and so it eventually turned into more like a novelty gift brand Mm -hmm. um and then I just I loved the brand so much. I had so much fun, like drinking a bottle of wine, coming up with the sayings, mm-hmm. but I hated the fulfillment aspect of it. I hated the paperwork aspect of it. And so I just kind of felt like I had personally run my course with it. So I was just going to wrap it up. Like I never mm-hmm. really thought I would sell the business. And then I had people approach me, but it just never felt right. And then one of my top customers reached out to me. She's actually lives like 15 minutes from me mm-hmm. and I was just like okay if I'm gonna maybe hand over my business like I want it to be somebody who loves it who feels like the same passion I did behind it because it was the first business I ever owned or was a mm-hmm. part of so we ended up selling it and it was such a quick sale it happened in 30 days and oh, wow. yeah so I I had no idea what I was doing I'd never sold a business before I was like yeah. So, okay. So you obviously didn't know um, how to sell a business if you never have before, but you also started a business out of nowhere, sort of. So uh, would you say that your, your uh, kind of styles, you, do you just kind of like wing it? So actually going back to the, for, for example, when you started State of Grace, were you like, I just want to like be in business for myself. I want, and then were you like, what can I do? Were you do like running through things or was it just like, that just, I, that idea came to you and you just felt so compelled that you had to do just specifically that idea? Yeah, it was a mix. So like, I always knew I wanted to have my own business and I thought and thought and thought on it, like what it would look like for years. I was trying to make it perfect. And I started it with a business partner. Like I went to her and was just like, this is my idea. Like I would, I don't know what I'm doing. She had a business already. So it was like, I would Mm -hmm. love to be partners in this so that you could teach me, but I can like, do more of like the sweat equity and things like that. So we started it together. Thank God, because honestly, I don't think I could have done that on my own. There was so much to learn, especially with like, I'm very creative and I'm very visual and I can do a lot of that stuff and be self-taught. But when it comes to like setting up a business and like getting a business license, like that was so foreign to me. Yeah. And so I didn't really know. The technical how to do stuff that. is like when you, especially when you're trying to be creative, it's like, yeah. you know, just, I just spent an entire day trying to figure out how to send this one email properly to the business like like yeah did you guys have to raise funding or did you just I mean you obviously had to have wow you just had like money no we started very small I took out a loan um she had capital to invest and then we just started very small and grew it gradually but like we fell on our faces so many times in the beginning where we thought like we might not make this like it's not worth it but we just kept pushing through so I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs have to do. Like you're definitely going to fail in some aspect and Mm -hmm. a lot of people wait for the perfect timing, which I was definitely doing in the beginning, but there's just no perfect time. 
what was the biggest thing you learned from that process of starting the first time? Like what, what would you go tell your younger self now? Like, Hey, don't do it that way. I think it just gets over glorified. Like when you have a specifically in retail, like you want to work with big brands, you want to be in Nordstrom, you want to be in target. And those brands can actually like crush your business because they want you to invest so much in the beginning. Like you have to um, pay for your inventory to send to them but they don't pay you for 90 days so you're out this money and I think like the status of that is so exciting and I got so caught up in that because I was like I want to see my brand in Nordstrom and then it can yeah like I'll give you a crazy story so like the first three months that we were in business we do you remember Kitson I think it's Mm -hmm. something yeah 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 Yeah. so we got approached by Kitson and they asked us to carry the brand. And I was like, holy shit, this is so exciting. Like we spent, I mean, we didn't spend a ton of money in inventory, but like uh, for a small business, it was a lot of money Mm -hmm. and it was all out of our pocket. So they had like the term 60 days and then we shipped them their product. Like it's just me and her like packing the orders. Like we didn't have a team. Like we spent hours and hours. Like it was probably like 400 items that we had to pack up and ship. Oh my God. And the next, like, within a week of sending them their product, I get a text from my friend. She's like, have you seen this article? I'm like, what? And it's like, Kitson goes bankrupt. Oh, my God. And we're like, oh, so are we going to get our money? And we, like, tried to fight it, couldn't get it. So we had lost, like, everything. Like, we'd ship product. They had it. And we Is that how bankruptcy works? So, like, literally, people, like, because they filed for bankruptcy, they can just screw over a ton of people? Like I can see like screwing over a bank. It's a bank. They got a lot of money, but like screwing over like a small business owner, like that's crazy. Yeah. That store was so overpriced anyways. I was wondering like, did, were they planning to price your, your, uh, glasses at like $75 when they would normally be like $15? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. That place was crazy. Great. Like I, I, they would, they would, they were so, um, in your face about how overpriced it was. It was like, I can go to Target and get that exact same thing for so much cheaper. Like but just because Paris Hilton shops here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Wow, that is a, that's a crazy learning experience. But there's really no way to have avoided, like, you can't avoid if someone goes bankrupt, you know? 100%. I think it just taught me that there's so much value. And I think that's why still today, like, having been a small business myself and working with a lot of small businesses, that's just, like, where I love to support because – they're amazing. They work so hard. And I think that they're a great foundation for brands and really Mm -hmm. do create such longevity for brands. So that was like a huge learning lesson that the big guys aren't always like what it's cracked. Yeah. Okay. So I think this is something that like a lot of like, I'm sure a lot of my listeners have this question. And like, I think anyone probably like thinking about like, wanting to go into business, like, how, how do you make that leap? I mean, do you, did you have to have like a side job while you were like, you don't, you don't just make money right away in a business. Like, for example, like it took me, I don't know, eight to eight years, maybe let's see, maybe eight years of stand up, 10 years in LA of literally having about 75 side jobs while I was like touring, doing stand up, but not enough to live in LA you know, I had a podcast was making money on ads, but not enough to like, you know, so it was literally like, I was managing like 30 Airbnbs. I was also managing the apartment building I lived in. I was still somewhat 
no, I, I was stopped being the assistant to the lady that owned the buildings, but like, literally I was working, like, I, I don't know. I'm 18 hours a day. I don't even know. Um, did you have to have a, a side job and do you recommend like, how do people implement like, cause not everyone wants to work 18 hours a day. Some people have kids, like they can't do that. Um, totally. how did you do that? Did you have to have a side job or did that loan cover you? And what's your advice for people on, you know, do you hold on to some sort of safety net? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely worked a side, like that was my side hustle, like starting it, like I would work nine to five and then I would work like five to nine. So, oh, I so you had like a full-time regular job, like I did back then. Yeah. Like you had so to go to an office and stuff. Yeah, And it was, I actually worked for my business partner. So it was kind of nice in that regard. Like she understood and it was a great dynamic because there was less of a divide, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I would just say like, honestly, my biggest lesson that I've learned in starting a business aside from that other weird story, just start. Like I was, I'm such a perfectionist. I'm such a planner. And I feel like a lot of people make excuses for why they can't start a business, but totally. there's always going to be something. And doesn't mean you have to quit your job. Like you definitely aren't going to make money. Like don't go into it thinking you're going to be a millionaire in the first year. Like you have to really put that time in and just start taking small steps. Even if it's just thinking of the name, even if it's just Googling how to file for a business license, like you're gonna, those small steps are going to add up and create momentum for you and you're going to get excited. And I think that that's something I wish I had learned sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause now when I have an idea, like when we started our podcast, we came up with the name and like launched our first episode within a week. Like that's, I, that's just how I operate now. Cause I just think you're so far behind if you just keep waiting and making excuses and like thinking of reasons why it's going to fail or what you can't do when you can put that energy into what you can do. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And I think people don't realize like all those little small incremental things you do, you look back six months, you know, later and you're like, oh, wow, all those teeny things I did every single day created this, you know, created my first sale, created like it, you have to do all those little things. And I agree with you, like, if you're going to do it, just do it. Like, be okay with the fact that like, let's say for a podcast, your first couple episodes are probably going to suck. You don't know how to do the sound properly. Like, you know, you're nervous, like, just get them out there. And then you'll get better as you go along. Not that I'm saying you're stuck, but I'm just saying like, you just have to It definitely did. (laughs) But yeah, you have to have to do that. So where do you stand on like, like, I know you have you have a a partner with your podcast, and we'll go into play digital too. And, um, and I think she, she works with you as well, right? Um, Like she did she start as an intern or something? Yeah. Yeah. So so Jackie, that's how we met. Okay. So where do you stand on like, if you are a perfectionist, uh, like you said, you are and I'm the same way. I it's hard for me to delegate and let someone do something for me that where do you stand on uh, being able to like let someone do something you know that you can probably do really well yourself, but you just don't have time for? Is that like hard to relinquish control? Oh yeah, it, honestly, it took me so long to learn the value of delegating. Like I, I think that comes from the perfectionist side of me, and I know you get that, but it yeah, it definitely is something I'm still learning. And I I have girls who work for me now, and it's taught me to really do it because. I think I learned that I'm only one person. There's only 24 hours in a day. And like, yeah, I could do it. But like, if I want to grow my business, Mm -hmm. I need to be putting that energy into things that are going to move the needle for growth versus like the things I know I can do and I can get them done. But 
someone else can also do it where I can be working on something else. Mm -hmm. And it still is sometimes hard. And sometimes I look at it and like, I tell them all the time, I'm like, I'm super picky. So like, don't take it personal. If I like change something, like it's just, it's hard when it's visual to like to teach someone your eye. Totally. So I, I will tweak things here and there, but I think that like, know your strengths, know other people's strengths, and then like kind of delegate from that. But like, I have an accountant because there's no way I'm going to be doing my QuickBooks. Oh like, yeah. 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 That is not my strength. So definitely delegating that, but yeah, I, I want to grow. And I think that delegation is a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about uh, play digital. What, what do you guys do there? So we're a media agency. I hate saying that because it just sounds so like stiff, but um, yeah, I call it, it sounds cool. I want, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, it sounds like you're like played head of a media agency. Like it sounds like you're Sandra Bullock in a rom-com <laughs> and you have a cool <laughs> office and all these things. I hope, for you. <laughs> I hope Ryan Reynolds is my love interest. Um, so yeah, we're a social media, like digital agency and we help brands. Like I started off, honestly, when I started, I'm like, we're going to help brands and influencers. And I was like, nope, quickly learned that I cannot help influencers because it's just too much. So we work with brands. Is that just hard Um, to work with? No, it's just, it's a lot of, um, it's a whole different world. Like you're constantly negotiating and like trying to get rates and then you're only paid when they get paid. So I just kind of like restructured my business format to just better support me. And honestly, I think it's better to just like have a niche and focus on that. Mm-hmm. So we work with brands of all sizes. Like I've always really wanted to be inclusive of that and work with like moms who have a side hustle and support them, but also work with bigger brands. And so, yeah, like we aren't like a one size all fits one size fits all agency. Yeah. Um, I've worked with a lot of those and I just didn't find that the value was there. So that's what I found to play on. And we do anything from like content creation to social media management to partnerships, um, graphic design, like anything kind of digital and creative. Do people like, uh, um, kind of like a PR agency, do they pay you like a retainer or is it different packages? Um, we do different packages just to make sure, like I went back to, I really kind of toyed with the retainer thing. Um, but I, again, like I wanted to be able to support those small businesses. Cause I knew what it was like to be a startup. Like I, you don't have a ton of marketing budget. You don't have a ton of capital. You're not making money for the first couple of years. And so I wanted to be able to help those people who had smaller budgets in different ways. So like any person who ever comes to us, I'm always just like, okay, tell me your goals. Tell me what you need support. In, and then we build out packages from there. Mm-hmm. How did you get people to, since that, I mean, I guess you were kind of doing that anyways, that with your own Instagram and like you obviously already had the, um, you know, proof of that you could start a business and have a successful business. But how do you, how do you move it over into like a new field, like, you know, the, the media agency and like get people to trust you? Like, how did you, and how did you find all your clients? Did you just start marketing or was it like word of mouth? It was a lot of word of mouth. Um, a lot of local brands, which I still work with a lot of local here in the community. Um, but I, so I was at that job that I was working full time for when I had State of Grace and I was doing all their kind of like digital marketing, social media, all of that. And I would have people constantly come to me being like, can you help me with this? Like, mm. I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just like, no, like I don't have the time between that and State of Grace. So I was like, I can't take anything else on. And it like kept happening for like a solid year. And then I was just like, I'm working so hard why 
why shouldn't I work for myself and put that into like building equity for myself? So I I don't know why most people don't think that way. Like there's, I mean, I know that not everyone has like an entrepreneurial mind and I totally, you know, sometimes I think about like, you know, people that like have worked at the same company and they pay into it with their retirement and they get to retire very comfortably, you know, but no, everyone in my family, we're all entrepreneurs. Um, Everyone owns their own business or I mean, I'm entertainment business, I guess. But like, so I get why like that there's an appeal to that. But at the same time, I'm like, why the hell would I work this hard for someone else? Like I, I just, the yeah. concept is not, <laughs> it doesn't resonate with me. I'm just like this. No, if, I mean, and I could also deal. Did you ever feel like when you were working for people where you're, well, she was your partner, but if, if she hadn't been your partner, where you're just like watching someone, like you're like, I can do that better. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I should be the one heading this business. Yeah, I mean, like, I wasn't quite a leadership role in that company. Like, honestly, I was, like, her right-hand person. So I felt like I was really leading a team. And, like, I, I honestly, I loved that brand so much, too. I felt like it was my brand. So I'm just, like, I could be putting that same amount of energy and the same amount of hours. Because, like, I took my work home with me. I loved it so much. So, like, mm-hmm. I knew I could do it. I think a lot of people don't start businesses because they have a lot of, like, self-limiting thoughts. And I think that you just have to kind of like push through that if you really want to do it. But um, yeah, it was like, I was in a good situation and I just eventually thought that like, I wanted to, I was in my late twenties and I was just like, I need to, if I'm going to do it, like now's the time, like I'm not going to do this down the road. I don't want to be in the same spot in two years. So like I had a mortgage, I didn't have any savings in the bank. And I was like, I'm actually thinking about like leaving my full-time job and I have to be okay with the fact that like this could be a huge flop. Like I'm going to do my best to make sure that doesn't happen, but like I'm just going to work my ass off and be okay with knowing that there's a risk to it. And so to answer your question, I like, I just, I had all those people coming to me. So like I went back to them and was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Do you still need help? Mm -hmm. Some of them didn't, some of them did. And then it was a lot of word of mouth from there. And it still is a lot of word of mouth. It's a lot of local people. Cause I, we have a great, great entrepreneurial community out here on the West coast, like in Vancouver and the lower mainland. Um, so I work a lot there, but I have clients who are in the U S I have clients in across Canada, some in Australia. So like it is a mix. Yeah. What, um, what is your best advice for people to get over their self-limiting thoughts? Um, it's hard. It took me a long time and I still have those thoughts to be totally honest. I think you just have to do some deep digging and like be realistic with yourself. Like, is it just the talk or are you like not really willing to work that hard? And if you have, if you can push through it, like find little things that when you have those thoughts, you can challenge them with, whether it's like meditation, which I'm not good at. So I'm not saying that that's the only thing you can do, but like just start challenging them and it'll get easier. And like, when you do something that works, celebrate it. Like it's so Mm -hmm. easy to move on to the next thing and be looking at the next thing. But like, I've learned to slow down and like be proud of myself. And that's motivated me to keep going further. I love that. Yeah. Celebrate it. It's like that instead of having a a to-do list, a to-da list at the end of the day, like a a list of like, I did all of these things today. Like I'm so proud of myself. I love that. Yeah. I didn't come up with it. Someone much more intelligent came up yeah (laughs) no I love that though I also think too when it's like one of the ways I get over like thoughts like anything self-critical or self-limiting like sometimes it is good to be 
critical of yourself because there might be something you need to change. Like that's fine. But when it is just something like, you know, a bad review or, uh, or I'm like, Oh, did I not do good on that? I'm like embarrassed or something. I, I, uh, pretty easily will just like tell myself, I'm like, what does it matter? It, it just doesn't matter. Like it, it, you know, I, I like, I, I can always uh, apply it to like, like body image issues stuff. Like, so you take a photo with all your friends and you look significantly fatter than them. Cool. I probably ate a lot more that day or it was a bad angle. I don't know. I probably deserve to look fat. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, does it really matter? <laughs> like the next photo will be better. No. Like, it's just kind of like, I think I'll, yeah, I think a lot of the self-limiting stuff, whether it's body or business or whatever, it's like stems from a lot of comparison. And I, I've noticed that about myself, like whether it's looking at how great someone else is doing a business or how great they're looking that day, like you've got to stop comparing and no, just know compare, that you're yeah. one person and everybody moves at their own different pace. Yeah. And you're only seeing what people want you to see 99% of the time, oh, right. unless it's like your best friend who you're very open with, but yeah, don't compare yourself. To I think that's, yeah, I agree. I think that's just gonna. Yeah, I think comparison is like one of the worst things you can do. It's like, just stay in your own lane, keep your head down. Like, don't waste three hours out of the day staring at other people's Instagrams and thinking their life is better than you. That's three hours you could have made your life better. So like. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. that that's so true. What, um, what is the best advice like a mentor ever gave you that's like really stuck with you in the business journey? um or life journey see I think mm-hmm. is some <laughs> um do you know the skin confidentialist mm-hmm. yeah she mentored me for six months so oh, she wow. was an amazing amazing mentor um and she taught me really just to like be consistent and like don't miss a day it's hard like she also taught me like give yourself breaks and like obviously listen to your body and your mind but when somebody, when you're not showing up, like if you miss five days because you haven't been strategic to like with your content or with your business or anything, like someone else is using those five days for growth. So mm-hmm. you just got to keep with it and keep going. What um, do you mean? What does she mean by miss five days? Like you can't take five days off? Well, just not that you can't take five days off, but just that like you need to have a plan in action. Like you need to be putting out content. You need to be like in front of people and like sharing your brand if you want consistent growth. So like schedule it, have someone else do it, like just be strategic and have that mapped out Mm -hmm. so that those five days aren't setting you five days kind of behind, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's smart. Really smart. I should probably be better about that. Um, (laughs) What, uh, let me see. Hold on. Uh, Okay. So how do you personally find balance between your work and personal life? Like what is your self-care routine? So you're not just working all the time. Honestly, I hate the word balance so much because I don't think it exists. I think it's like this thing that we've always been told like we need to achieve. And it's like, you're never going to be balanced. Like one day something is going to be so much more important than something else. Like I'm going to be working maybe 14 hours and not get a workout in or like the next day I'm going to be prioritizing my health and like maybe my work slacks. Like, I don't know. I just, I, Uh, I always tried to achieve balance for so long. And so now I just really focus on like day by day and like what I need to like feel the best and productive and healthy and like all different areas of my life stable. Um, but I, for like little things I do every day to like try and set myself up for the best day possible. I take a slow morning. I used to be somebody who like jumped out of bed, was in my emails, was 
responding, working. And I was just constantly in this like state of response versus control. So I've slowed down on that. I like have a coffee. I sit down with my dog, um, watch some reality TV, like just do that. I'll get a workout in like something to just like not jump right into work and then I'll get into that zone. Um, and then at nighttime, like I always try and unplug when I can, some days I can't, and that's just the reality of it. And I don't make myself feel bad about that. I think that's something I also used to do was punish myself or get anxious that I couldn't actually take that time. And it's, there's going to be days like that. So I just kind of let go of that notion, but I love a good skincare routine. So that's kind of like my self-care at night. So like coffee in the morning, skincare at night. Yeah. I love that. There's a few things in there that you said that I really liked, like, like that it's true. Like you kind of, for example, uh, uh, while while creating seven deadly sinners, I mean, maybe I'll eventually get into a group where it doesn't take up my entire life. I've said to myself, like, you know what, this is just not the time that you're going to have that bikini body. So just let it go. (laughs) This is just, this is the time for like, go for a walk if you can, but like you, you probably are not like going to get to hang out with friends either. Really. I mean, I mean, not a lot of people are really hanging out right now anyways, so it's actually a good time to do it. But like, yeah, I, I love that you said that because it's like, it's almost like you can't beat yourself up for not being balanced. And that's kind of something you said at, towards the end of that too, where it's like, that's not productive. Like beating yourself up for not being incredibly perfect and having the most balanced life is just sending you back further. You have to just be okay with like, today's a 14 hour work day, you know, not a workout day or today's like I you know or you need or you need to prioritize your health on one day and like you know go for a long hike or something like yeah I love that I feel like you have a very um I know you hate the word balance but balanced outlook on um (laughs) like you you're a perfectionist but I think you know how not to torture yourself which I think is really cool yeah and I I've learned that like honestly I think once I let go of the the goal of achieving balance, I became more balanced as ironic as that is. Like I just makes so much. I used to torture. I used to torture myself and I used to really like think I could always be doing more and like have five-year goals and have 10-year goals. And like, I'm such a planner and type A. And then I was like, this is doing nothing. I'm just not hitting these goals and I'm just feeling like a failure. So why am I doing this to myself? So it's been a journey, but I definitely feel like I'm the most mentally stable that I've been in a while. Aside from COVID. I love that. It's a like radical acceptance of, uh, of what the situation is. Like, instead of being like, well, I was supposed to be married by now. Why am I not married? I was supposed to uh, own a, you know, five bedroom home by now. (laughs) It's like, Hey, just accept it didn't happen yet. Keep going. Totally. So what about, how do you manage the dating world? And we'll end on this subject. (laughs) I'm not going to torture you with awkward questions like you guys did me, (laughs) but, but I feel like I'll torture you with dating stuff. That's totally fine. Um, honestly, like I am the worst. I because I love my work so much and I get so caught up in it. Like I am someone who uses that as an excuse. And I've learned that about myself over the years. But Vancouver sucks for it. I've used dating apps and that's kind of like been the way that I've met some people, but all my friends are like married, like locked down, don't even have friends that they can hook me up with. Like it's brutal. Yeah. But do you feel like you just haven't prioritized dating as much because of your work life? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I have more in the past couple of years and like, I definitely felt for so long, I was so closed off to it because I was just so tunnel vision into my career. And I was like, I'm going to make this happen. 
Um, and then I felt like that definitely was a detriment to my love life. Like I didn't have any balance in that. Mm -hmm. So now I'm trying to like be a little bit more prioritized in that, but you know, COVID. Yeah. Seriously. Is it, do you have a goal of like getting married, having kids, or are you just sort of like, what if whatever happens happens? I'm totally like, whatever happens happens. I think like, I honestly, I also don't even know if I'm someone who wants to get married. Like I could be in a long-term committed relationship and I'd be totally fine with that. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. really need that piece of paper personally, but, um, I also like, I could see myself being someone who just like travels when I'm older and like moves to Europe for a couple of years. Like, I don't know. So Mm -hmm. I'm really just like open to it. There's still so much I want to do before I settle down and have kids. Like I, and COVID I think really taught me that because I miss traveling so much. I was someone who traveled like once every two months and I can't, I'm not ready to have the responsibility of a tiny human. Like I just know that about myself. Yeah. I mean, no one even lets me babysit their kids. So perhaps I'm not ready either. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay. Let me just think. I want to end it on. Um, what's the best you advice you would give to someone who wants to be in your shoes, basically, who wants to be, you know, an entrepreneur, like, you know, someone who can say, oh yeah, I just sold that business cash. <laughs> um. I think take it day by day and just start like that's the biggest advice I find myself giving to people to friends who like have ideas and like just start like even if it's just going and saving your Instagram handle like do that that's a step and then just celebrate those little moments of you doing that because you're going to keep building momentum and like you said that's what ends up you look back and you're like holy shit like I I did that mm-hmm. and just also be patient. Like, no, it's not going to happen overnight. So I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's consistency and showing up for yourself. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't COVID, I would also add, like, um, put yourself out there. I was thinking too, when you were just saying that, like, sometimes you're like, had I not gone to that networking thing or that, like, wherever, I would have never met that person, which then would not have launched this whole crazy, you know, path in my life. Like, put yourself out there, talk to people, you know? Totally. And also you can do that through social media. Like I have met True. so many people and been so, like so connected through that. I've met some of my best friends who've also been some of my biggest champions in supporting me through my business. And I don't think you have to network in the form of events. I think that the worst thing that happens, you send a DM, they don't respond. Totally. So yeah. you'll be fine. You'll be in the exact same spot you were before, but you took the chance. So just do it. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Tell my listeners where they can find you and your podcast and all the things. Thanks for having me. Um, okay. So you can, my personal is Bailey J S T. Um, the podcast, if you want to listen is on basically all platforms. It's what day is a podcast and that's the Instagram handle too. And then play digital is just at play digital. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Let's connect again with another, another point. Bye.